Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to our study in Philippians. This is Philippians part four. We have made it to chapter two, verses 19 through 30, and we've been looking at seeing how this book gives us as believers the example of living joyful lives. And so uh, today we're going to look at two Christ-like examples in these verses in Philippians chapter two that Paul gives us. One is Timothy, the other is Epaphrodius. And so he writes in verse 19 of chapter 2, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interest, not of those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it's necessary to send back to you, Epaphrodius, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill." Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him back, so that when you see him again, you will be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. And so as we unpack these verses here in chapter 2, looking at these two Christ-like examples of Timothy and Epaphrodius, the big idea that I want you to walk away from knowing today is that the submissive mind is a necessity for Christian joy and an opportunity for all believers. One more time. The submissive mind, the mind when we when we submit our minds to being that of Christ, to following him and loving him as he has set the example, when we have that mind, it is necessary to have that mind for Christian joy and an opportunity for all believers. And so in Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11 that we looked at in the last session, Paul described the submissive mind in the example of Jesus Christ. Then he went on in, in verses 12 through 18 from last week, and he explained the dynamics of that submissive mind in his own experience. So here we have, early on in chapter 2, a submissive mind with the example of Jesus Christ, a submissive mind with the example of Paul. And now he introduces us to two of his helpers in the ministry, Timothy and Epaphrodius. And he did this for a reason. He knew that his readers would be prone to say, it's impossible for us to follow such examples as Christ and Paul. After all, Jesus is the very son of God. And Paul is a chosen apostle who had great spiritual experiences. And so for this reason, Paul introduces us to these two ordinary saints, these ordinary men who were not apostles or spectacular miracle workers. They were just ordinary men who said, you know, I believe in Jesus and I am going to follow him and here's how I can do that. 
So here, here are three reasons. We're going to look at three reasons that Paul chose Timothy, and then we're going to look at two reasons that Paul chose Epaphroditus. And so number one reason for choosing Timothy is that Timothy had a servant's mind. We see this in, in chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. And so the Greek word used here for, for like, when Paul says, for I have no one like him, is, is a word that is, is so rare but it's a poetic word that is found nowhere else in the New Testament and literally means, if you say, for there is no one like him, literally can be translated as of like soul or mind. So for I have no one of like soul or mind. So is Paul saying, I have no one with the qualities like Timothy among those who are with me in Rome? Or is he saying, I have no one who is like-minded with me who shares my concerns? So the the most likely understanding of that is that Timothy is like-minded with Paul, especially in his genuine concern for serving the church at Philippi, the, the Philippians there. And so the reason Paul has no one quite like Timothy who will be concerned for the welfare of the Philippians is that all the others whom he might have sent to Philippi were concerned about their own affairs rather than the cause of Jesus Christ. Not that they weren't concerned about Jesus Christ, but there were other things that were preoccupying them that they put ahead of Jesus Christ. And so one of the main reasons that Paul chose Timothy is that he had this servant's mind that was very similar to the mind of Paul. The second reason that he chose Timothy was that he had a servant's character. We see this in verse 22, where Paul says, But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. And so after contrasting Timothy with the others who are concerned about their own interest, the apostle gives his second reason for the decision to send his colleague Timothy to the Philippians, namely his proven character, which they had known about from time to time um, since the time of the church's founding. And, and evidence of Timothy's proven worth was his ongoing commitment to advance the gospel in a close personal relationship with Paul. So here in Philippians 2.22, the words used to denote Timothy's proven character means not simply his record. Not, not just his record of how far he's come, what he's done, but Timothy has been tried in various ways, including persecution, we see back in chapter 1, verse 30, and Timothy has stood the test of time. He has stood the test of persecution. He has stood the test of all of these trials. He has stood through it. So his character is one of the main reasons that Paul has chosen him. So we've got his character, we've got his servant's mind, and third, we have his servant's willingness. Uh, Timothy had a servant's willingness. We see this in verses 23 and 24. But in, in verse 23, we see it echoing the language of verse 19. Now look back with me in, in chapter 2, verse 19. It says, I hope in the Lord... Jesus to send Timothy to you. And then a few verses later in chapter 23, Paul says, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go for me. So what does that mean? So right here, Paul gives renewed expression to his hope of sending Timothy back to the church at Philippi um, and, and sending him soon. 
And, and he explains it so that as soon as he knows how things are going to turn out for him, perhaps the result of his trial or Timothy's handling of a pastoral matter of, of some case, Paul really doesn't say, but he says, as soon as I find out how things are going to turn out for him, Paul's going to dispatch his colleague. He's going to send Timothy back to, to Philippi to be with his people. And so we know, we, we don't know, however, why he couldn't or wouldn't send Timothy immediately, but it was either because of Paul's own personal affairs or the pastoral problems he's facing at the place of his imprisonment. Um, it, if it's the former, the phrase might refer to the, the verdict of the trial, which Paul is expected to be handed down shortly. And perhaps Timothy was immersed in, in the legal process related to the trial. We, we're not 100% sure on that. But on the other hand, the suggestion of pastoral problems reminds us that um, that of Paul's trying circumstances described in, in chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. So Timothy may have needed to assist the apostle uh, the, the apostle in some delicate pastoral situation. We, we don't know exactly why he needed to stay with Paul, but we do know that Timothy was willing to help Paul from Rome or from Philippi. He was willing to do it wherever Paul saw fit. So, so we see Timothy, three reasons for choosing Timothy. He had a servant's mind. He had a servant's character. He had a servant's willingness. And so, um, now it brings us to the question, who was Epaphrodius? Who is this guy that's just all of a sudden on the scene here? Um, we know that Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrews. We know that Timothy was part Jew and part Gentile. We see that in Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Now, Epaphrodius was a full Gentile. So here you see the whole circle coming together of the, the different nations, the different, um, the different races. You got a Hebrew. Then we've got a Jew and a Gentile all in one, and then you've got a Gentile. Um, Epaphrodius was also a member of the Philippian church. He risked his life and health to carry their missionary offering to Paul in Rome. We'll see this later in uh, Philippians 4.18. He says, I have received, Paul says, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphrodius the gifts you have sent. They are a fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice, um, pleasing to God. Um, so Epaphrodius Gentile, he's a member of the Philippian church. He risked his life to carry the missionary offering to Paul in Rome. And his name means charming. I mean, why would you not choose someone to be uh, one of your right-hand men who, ha who had any other name other than charming? But we see that uh, the, the two reasons that Paul chose Epaphrodius um, is this. Number one, he had a balanced um, Christian life. We see this in verse 25. Um, verse 25 says, But I think it's necessary to send back to you, Epaphrodius, my brother, my co-worker, my fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. And so he had this balanced Christian life. And so Paul uses these three phrases here that we just read in verse 25 to express his loving and grateful regard for Epaphrodius, who had been a faithful worker with him in the gospel and, a, and an emissary of Paul in helping him. He says, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier. So when when we look at specifically my fellow soldier, when Paul uses these words, we have to realize that balance is important in the Christian life. Some people emphasize fellowship. 
so much that they forget about the furtherance of the gospel. Others are so involved in defending the faith of the gospel that they neglect building fellowship with other believers. Epaphroditus didn't fall into either of these two camps, or these traps, rather. He was like Nehemiah when we read in Nehemiah 4.17, the man who rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem with his sword in one hand and a towel in the other. And so we have to know that you can't build with a sword nor battle with a, a towel, but it takes both to get the Lord's work accomplished. Um, and so the, that's that's the first reason we see um, for choosing Epaphroditus is this balance in his in his faith and his Christian walk that he had. The second thing is that he was um, he was a burdened Christian. We see this in 26 through 27 and verse 30, and it says um, that uh, for he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Verse 27, yes, he was ill, almost died. Verse 28, therefore, I am all the more eager to send him to you. So then welcome him in the Lord, verse 29, and um, do this because, verse 30, he risked his life. Um, to to bring this offering to me. And so he he was a burdened Christian. So like Timothy, Epaphroditus was concerned about others. To begin with, he was concerned about Paul. And so when he heard in Philippi that Paul was imprisoned in Rome, he immediately volunteered to make that long, dangerous trip to Rome to stand at Paul's side and assist him. He carried the church's love gift with, with him, protecting it with his own life. And so here we see two men, two Christ-like examples of people who were willing to get their hands dirty, to do what it takes to put their preferences aside to serve the Lord. Our churches today need men and women who are burdened for missions and, and for, for those in difficult places of Christian service. Um, one one missionary leader once stated, the problem in our churches is that we have too many spectators and not enough participants. And you've heard me say this in the last couple of weeks is that, you know, we are not saved to sit. We are saved to serve. And we have two men here who were willing to serve to advance the gospel when someone was in a very uh, difficult time in their life. Um, someone who was so prominent in sharing their faith, they were they they looked at it and said, "Okay, let's not just sit back on our fists and rear back on our thumbs. Let's figure out how we can take up the slack now that Paul is in prison. What can we do?" And they had this willing spirit. They had this this balanced Christian life. This um, this this character that spoke. Uh, immensely of who they were and and the servant's mind to get the job done. And so Epaphroditus was not content simply to contribute this offering that he was going to bring. He gave himself to help carry the offering. So my question to you is, what are you giving of yourself to contribute to the offering? Or what are you giving of yourself to help carry the offering? Are you just are you just giving because that's what's comfortable? Are you saying, okay, I'm going to give and let me take this offering and do the stuff with it that needs to be done, such as advancing the gospel, helping the church, helping with the food pantry things, helping meet people's needs in the shadow of our cross? Let us never be content to simply contribute to the offering. 
Let's let's help carry the offering. And that brings us back to our big idea. The submissive mind is a necessity for Christian joy and an opportunity for all believers. <music>